flowing better, learning better. It's just like, that's one thing that I feel like I got myself better. And then it's just like, I also needed a little bit of help. Mm-hmm. So I got my friend Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> like, I needed a little bit of help from breaking out of my box. Like, I feel like my music was... If you listen to a mixtape, it's very trappy and it's really like almost like drill. Because it's just like, uh, 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 It's just like, I just be feeling like sometimes I felt like I will never get out of that style. Like I'm so stuck on rapping like that. And Eddie B. And it's just like, I need to break that shell. Mm. I need to break that shell and I need to learn how to flow a little bit easier and, and cleaner. And I feel like I definitely. I I don't feel like I perfected it yet, but I feel like I, I'm I'm getting better and better and better and better and better. All right, so typically I'm not going to drown you in a minute-long soundbite of someone else's content. I just felt like that was really important to summarize where Cardi B's headspace is at, to summarize how she got to this point sonically in the album, and to give a concise minute-long clip of this full interview, this full intimate sit-down with Ebro on Beats 1. Now, um, if you're looking for me to be the traditional hip-hop purist that I usually am, uh, turn off this podcast right now because we are, ta- we are taking Cardi B deep dives today. Sometimes there just isn't pop-in releases for me to get into, and this type of shit is going to be what sparks my interest. Now, if you are a hip-hop purist and you want to stick around for a little bit and see what this is about and see my angle, I think you should still be interested in this because this is an experiment. This is a um, this is an important an important forecast for the climate of the industry moving forward. And I think that Cardi B is, in a sense, a pioneer for the future mold of the music industry, and it's scary. And it's a little terrifying, and I just wanted to see how Atlantic Records approached it. And when I say Cardi B's a pioneer, I don't mean Cardi B. I'm saying the brand that is Cardi B that Atlantic Records is pushing. Now, let me explain that. What Atlantic Records did, in layman's terms, is they took someone that had a lot of personality. They took someone that already had a pop-in platform, already had a large following, and already had a ambition for music, just couldn't put it together sonically, couldn't find her um, musical approach, didn't have the right people around her musically to get the music done, but everything else was clicking brand-wise. And Atlantic Records notified that. That was something that they identified. So, they take their best writers, dump them into the brand. They take the best producers on Atlantic Records, dump them into the brand. They take the biggest marketing budget and the best PR team that they could establish and dump that into the brand as Cardi B as the priority act. They put her on the biggest press cycle that they could possibly network. She is co-hosting the Jimmy Fallon show. First time someone has ever done that. She's on the Grammy stage. She's fucking, I mean, um, what else is she doing? She's doing SNL. Like she's, she's out of here. She's out of here. She is already an A-list position as far as where she is at in the media. And that is how she is being approached and her music is being prioritized in at, at the top of a label. And she's not even a musical talent necessarily. She's not a musical talent. She's a brand. She's an image. She's just somebody with an established following. So this is the mold 
And this is the first time a label has really gone all out with that formula, with that blueprint. So as somebody that is very curious and intuitive, I'm trying to see how this works. I'm trying to see how this album is perceived. I'm trying to see how I think of it critically. And I'm trying to see everything from this press cycle and this interview and just how shit goes down. Um, as far as this interview goes, I think Ebro, Ebro did a great interview because he kept it about the music. And I mean, it could have been her PR team that just said, hey, here's the ground rules. We're not going to ask about so-and-so. We're not going to do any Nicki Minaj beef talk. We're going to keep drama out of this. We don't want any bad headlines. This is going to be a fluff piece. That could have been her PR's team with the sit-down. But I'd like to give Ebro some credit for um, kind of touching on things but not diving too deep. Like even when he asked, like, is, is be careful about Offset? And she said no. He didn't try and dig too deep. He didn't try and get uh, um anecdote out of her. He kind of just kept it pushing, and he tried to keep her comfortable. I, you notice that in Ebro that he's he notices that she's fragile. She he notices that she's paranoid, and he and he wanted to keep her in her comfort zone. Which she, um which the best way to do that was by asking about the music, and um Ebro Ebro seems genuinely interested in the music as a lot of us are, but um. It is clear based on this interview that Cardi B is paranoid. She's terrified about saying the wrong shit. Like like she keeps bringing up the internet and how one second they'll love you, the next second they'll just get you the fuck up out of here for one mistake. So I think she genuinely fears opening up her mouth and being too much of herself. I think she's like trying to keep herself on a leash because she cuz she doesn't trust herself. And um that's kind of sad. You know, that's kind of like she's keeping herself in a bubble because she is aware. Like she was a brand by herself before this label came along. So she, she, she is very aware of what the Internet does. She's got a pulse on the climate and she's afraid she's afraid of falling off. And I think and she's happy to be here and she genuinely wants to stay. So. um so yeah, her paranoia is definitely a common theme in this interview. Like she go even goes into. um how she thought about quitting rapping before Bodak Yellow and how um this rap shit has a dead end to her and she could find different opportunities if she needed to, which was pretty interesting to me because something that I'm going to get into probably after the album review is where does she go from here? And after hearing that, after knowing that she might have bailed before Bodak Yellow, don't be surprised if Cardi B takes a different route from this rap shit and just moves on to a different venture. Just based on how um, she seems to be dealing with this and the pressure to maintain her brand, it seems like she's not necessarily enjoying herself. And although she may not be comfortable right now, she's definitely happy to be here. She's definitely humbled. She has a lot of humility. Like... um, what you hear in the soundbite that I played in the beginning there, which I meant to get into, I just forgot, was um, her talking about how um, she needed help. She needed writers to help her get out of her ba da ba ba da ba trap flow. 
and she needed to expand her sound sonically. And she's very humble in admitting that she needed the help. She's very humble in her imperfections musically. She's not trying to say she's the best. She's saying she's working harder to get better. She doesn't have an ego about her music. And I think that's pretty charming to see how thankful she is for every little feature, every producer. And I think that that's um, a cool anecdote, shouting out her writing partner for helping her break out of her shell. Um, I think all that shit's amazing. I think that this interview is extremely candid. It's extremely flawed. It's very human. And um, I probably had some other points to get into, but I'm already at 720. So let's just get into the music, man, because... um, that's what it's all about. Well, you gotta make sure that everybody's straight. Bitches stab you in your back while they're smiling in your face. Talking crazy on your name, trying not to catch a case. I waited my whole life just to shit on niggas. Climb to the top floor so I could spit on niggas. Said I was just trying to chill and make bangers. Tell all these old bitches they in danger. The thing on my hip with bitches in the shape. That's what I call a fucking waist trainer. You gon' run up on who and to what? I think y'all got your story screwed up. I came here to bar, is you nuts? I don't want your punk ass man, I'm too tough. I'm the one that's killing shit, hands down. So that was the intro, track one, titled Get Up 10. We originally heard this song for the first time on Cardi's Instagram live story. And when I heard it, I said, hey, she's going hard on that joint. Hey, that should be the intro. Hey, that kind of sounds like the Meek Mill Dreams and Nightmares intro. Hey, that kind of sounds like First Day Out, T Grizzly. That might be one. She might have one on her hands with that. And um, here we are, album day, and it is the intro. And it makes complete sense. I think that Meek set the standard for how that record should be formulated. How He laid the blueprint for how that type of song should be structured. And what I mean by that is the slow piano buildup, no drums for about 16 plus bars, just straight enough space with the keys to get your shit off, enough space to be introspective and emotional. This type of song isn't for everybody. This type of song is for an artist that is having a moment, an artist that is in their bag, an artist that is in Cardi B's position where she has a lot of narrative to get off and she really needs to be climactic on her intro because there's so much buildup just to get to this point. So why not, if you already have buildup to get to this point, give us 16 plus bars of buildup before the beat finally drops? And I mean, this song is going to work. This song obviously doesn't sound like a club banger. There isn't even drums until about a, a minute 30 in. But if the song gets popular enough, like Dreams and Nightmares, if the song gets popular enough, like First Day Out, this formula can work once people know the words because it turns into a um, camaraderie thing. It turns into almost like a chant. It's just a a very unifying sound. It's like um, people are attaching themselves to Cardi B's brand, and I think that this record will work out for her one for one on the intro. Drip, drip, Um, So this is Drip. This is the uh, fourth single that they decided to release ahead of album time. And um, I'm rolling. I think it's a good single. I think that Migos did their thing. I think it was the perfect song to get Migos on. I think that her relationship with Offset, this was bound to happen. They needed a Migos single. This was a good beat for it. It wasn't necessarily a formulaic trap beat. I think that the drip drip sample in it gives it a different bounce. 
And um, I think she holds it down on the verse. I think the Migos obviously carry it because this is a Migos type of song. But this is what happens when you are in Cardi B's position and you can just tap Migos like, hey, I need a Migos single. There you go. Alright, so that's track three, Beckenhead. I really like this record. I think that this is an ideal, prototypical Cardi B record. It's really fun. It has a lot of attitude. It has a lot of spice. I think that this beat is absolutely perfect for her. If I had to pick the prototypical Cardi B beat out of all of these 13 beats, this is probably the one that I would pick as an A&R. Like, hey, you definitely need to use this one. Uh, shout out to Quavo, who was credited as a producer on this thing. He really knew... Her direction, her sound, her vibe, and what she was going for with this, and she absolutely delivered on the performance of it. I constantly credit Cardi B as a performer, and this is a prime example of it. Great third track, Beckenhead, Beckenhead, Beckenhead. Now tracks four and five are Bodak Yellow and Be Careful. I like the way they figured out how to squeeze Bodak Yellow in the track listing. You couldn't put it as track two because that would just be stale. You couldn't put it too late because it's too much of a priority. Um, this is a type of album that needs to be top heavy. Bodak Yellow is a good fit at the four slot. Especially following Bickenhead, she needs to keep that energy, keep that personality flowing. And then she brings it right back down to earth with Be Careful, which if you want to hear my Be Careful review, my deep dive is on that last podcast. I love Be Careful as a record. Alright, so that was Best Life, track 6, following up Be Careful, featuring Chance the Rapper. Obviously, I didn't play Cardi B's verse because, let's be real, it is not the highlight. And that is the luxury of being in Cardi B's position, is when you need an album filler, when you need a cut, when you need a record, and you guys just aren't getting it done, you are popping enough to tap Chance the Rapper like, hey, I need a record. Chance the Rapper delivers on an amazing hook. And, a, and an amazing verse that probably sounds like it could have been a great Chance solo record, but Cardi B is in the position where Chance the Rapper is willing to give her one. And she got one. This is probably going to get the most burn from me. I think that um, this, is, this makes me excited for what Chance has to offer um, moving forward. And I think that this is part of his strategic rollout. And he is going to use this as a... Um, a lead single. Oh, you hear that sample? That I like it like that. You hear the energy, you hear the bounce. Now, hear the features. She got two Spanish-speaking features from Bad Bunny and Jay Balvin. I am assuming these guys are popping in their um, in countries where they speak their language. Cardi B, of course, is Afro-Latina, so I think that it was important for her to go to her roots sonically. I think it was important for them to go to the I Like It sample. I think that this record is necessary and important on her track list, especially when... 
I'm looking at their approach and they tried to explore every single angle, every single nook and cranny of her personality. And this is a big part of her, her ethnicity, her culture. This is an important record. I think that this is a crossover single that could exist in different countries even. It could put this could put her on um a global level. Um I think she could have done better on the burst as far as trying to adapt to the Spanish speaking sound. She's still on her BX shit, but she's Dominican. Like she's I guess that's her approach. I'm not going to tell her where to stand as far as her ethnicity and how she approaches that that's not my space to exist in but she does a good job on the hook she does a good job of working around the sample and the features are great i can't understand what they're saying but they're great all right, so that was Ring featuring Kalani. I think that this is a good radio record, track eight, Ring. Um, this is probably my favorite angle from Cardi B. I pro- I didn't expect it to be, but I think that this, this is when she's at her best. I think that this is when she does her best job teaming up with the writers and really having them dig into her emotions, dig into where she is at introspectively. I feel like this is where she's most involved in the writing process and you can hear it in the narrative, you can hear it in the detail when she is in her emo bag, in her relationship bag, Um, and it's when she sounds most comfortable in the pocket when she's being elaborate like that, so... This is going to work along with Be Careful, which is another record in this theme. And there's another record later on titled um, Through Your Phone, which um, will also explore these themes. I think that this is definitely her best pocket, her best angle is this type of narrative. Nope. Not rolling. Money bag track nine. I am not rolling. This beat is fucking annoying. I don't know what video game they pulled this sample from, but it probably fucking sucks. This approach to the microphone is annoying. Get out of my face. This is the Cardi B. This is what I feared the album would sound like. Track number nine. I'm hating on this. And then following this song up with Bardier Cardi, which existed as a good single a good follow-up to bodak yellow but i hate the way it's placed in this track list following this money bag song this is an annoying segment of the album now maybe my mood might change maybe since i'm in dissection mode and i'm really trying to um break shit down my energy levels aren't there for this track but nope money bag not rolling not rolling at the 910 transition in the track list actually so that is track 11 titled she bad featuring yg cardi got a dj mustard instrumental for this thing which was absolutely necessary i think that cardi needed this record she needed a anthem for the strip club of course because of her persona of course because of her original core fan base is very I hate to use the word ratchet, but let's be real. This is going to get girls to shake their ass. This is going to be an anthem in the strip club. Not because it's better than a lot of strip club anthems, because this is a pretty formulaic approach, but because it's Cardi B. This is going to come across as better than any other strip club anthem, because who is actually spitting it? The hook is um, at a perfect tempo. Of course, DJ Mustard did his thing. Of course, this song is going to be successful. 
Can't wait to hear it in the strip club. And YG did his thing too. Shout out to YG. Call your mama phone, let her know that she raised a bitch. Then dial tone click. And fucking little fake ass friends. Come around like like they my bros. Sheesh. Okay, that's through your phone. Track 12, again, another very personal record, another emotional record, another introspective record to tie along with Ring and Be Careful. I like the way she spaced out the introspective record. She didn't want to drown you in that angle, even though it, pro in, in my uh, personal opinion, is her best angle. She put Be Careful at track 5. She put um, Ring at track 8, and then this through your phone tr uh, as track 12 nearing the outro of the album. And um, yeah, she just didn't want to exhaust you in it. This this type of record is so detailed that it just makes me so curious about the writing process. I'm just inclined to think that she had to have been more involved in writing this shit than any of these other songs because she's really... Um, it's hard for someone else to to really think like this for her like it's the whole the whole angle of it is kind of awkward to me but um she really pulls it off again three on three three for three on the introspective records really four for four if you want to include the intro which isn't necessarily um about relationships and shit but it's definitely emotional and introspective Um, so that's track 13, the outro, titled I Do, featuring SZA. Uh, I like how Cardi kind of brought SZA into her world and made her get on more of her bounce, more of a, um, you know, kind of ratchet. Again, I hate to use the word ratchet, but that's where they're at with this thing. They're on some uh, bad bitch camaraderie. I get it. I like the pairing of these two. They're both having really big moments. This really made sense for this song to exist on this album. My complaint is it's a terrible outro. Um, it leaves you almost, I don't want to say wanting more, but just some closure. I think that one of these introspective records would have served better as an outro just to kind of um, mellow the mood down. This outro really leaves me with the feeling of, okay, where does Cardi B go from here? I think that the album is great. And although I do think it is rushed because, again, Cardi B is pregnant. So they pushed the album forward. I do think that this was set for a summer release. They just couldn't do the press cycle while she was pregnant. I Again, um, I explained this on my last podcast. I do think that this album was rushed, but they pulled it off. They had enough behind it to still put together 13 solid records. There isn't necessarily a hole on this album. But unfortunately, they might have pulled too many strings and they might have already exhausted every angle of her narrative. I think that they just needed to, I think that they just milked everything out of her. Every single nook and cranny of her personality was dumped into this album. And again, I think they exhausted the narrative a little bit. I think Cardi will need to stay visible in the public for her, which she doesn't seem to want to do. She needs to be very in your face like she has been in the past. But now that she's on this platform, she seems to be shying away from the public now. 
and she needs to stay in the public. She needs her her personal life needs to be dumped out there for more narratives to be um, juicy and more compelling moving forward. And she needs to be tangible and the changes in her life need to be tangible to stay interesting and start experimenting with new themes because, again, they already explored every angle possible on these 13 records. So, um, yeah, that just kind of leaves me with a where do you go next after this type of vibe, which I mentioned earlier, she did say that she thought about quitting rapping before. So I wouldn't put it past her that um, she could be done. I'm not saying after this album, but this is definitely her biggest moment. I don't think she gets any bigger from here. I don't think it's even possible to get any bigger from here. Um, I think that Atlantic Records was pretty aware of the buildup for this. I think that they're going to look at Cardi B as a success and move on from her and try and find the next influencer, the next person who has built their own following and try and dump shit into her or him. And I just think that that's how it lands. This is, this, this is a harsh industry and that's just how it's going to work. I just hope that Cardi B can segue out of this stage in her career and move into something better. Maybe she's good for television, maybe uh, internet, whatever she has moving forward. I just don't think she's a career rapper. I don't think she's a legacy act. I think she's just someone who had a gigantic moment. And this album is uh, definitely representative of that moment, man. Invasion of Privacy will go down as a moment that changed the... um, change the approach to the music industry and hip-hop for better or worse is still to be determined.